And we are in a series um, looking at Advent. It's called Love's Pure Light, and it comes from actually a line of the Christmas carol of Silent Night. And Advent is a time for us uh, to enter into the story of Christmas because there's the first Advent, the waiting of the Savior Jesus Christ as, uh, that was read, and then also for us as we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. So uh, that's called the second Advent. And in a similar way, we enter the story with the same sort of sensibilities and emotions that the people of God had in waiting for the Messiah. Well, this morning I want to continue our series on love's pure light. And if you missed last week, I invite you to listen online to our podcast or watch our videocast uh, as I talked about the light that had come in John chapter 1. And we're going to continue actually with John chapter 1. Let's turn to John chapter 1, verse 4 through 9. And we last week looked at verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to kind of cross over a little bit with verses 4 and 5, but then make our way down to verse 9. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And His life brought light to everyone. I want you to underline that phrase. His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And that's for us today as we have this theme of faith, that that to be the people of God is to be people of faith in the midst of evil and darkness in our world that we have today, as I shared last week, is to have faith that the darkness does not have the last word, that the light will win out. As Jesus says later in John, I have overcome the world. In other words, the light is going to win at the end. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming in the world. I want to underline that phrase again, who gives light to everyone. So not only is Jesus Christ the light of the world, which is great by itself, as we talked about last week, but you and I, we're we're partakers of that light. That as, as we have faith in Christ, as he enters into our life, that same light of Christ shines in us and through us. Let me pray this morning. Father God, I pray your blessing upon uh, this sermon and this time, Lord. And I pray for um, my mind to be so concentrated, my heart to be so yours. And uh, just the last couple of days with uh, tech difficulties and and just random things, Lord, just odd things, I pray that uh, you would make this this sanctuary, your sanctuary, and and protect us um, as your word is preached. The, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, as Jesus tells us. Uh, but you came that we may have life, and I pray that we would experience that life uh, during this time. And I also, uh, as I pray, is to ask people in this congregation to be praying for me and praying for the sermon, that you would multiply these words and to impact us as we grow and grow in Jesus Christ. In his name, everybody said? Amen. Now, this concept of light, in, in, in six short verses that John shares, the, the word light is mentioned seven times. Light is a big deal to John. It's something that's very, very important. And as I mentioned last week, he's reaching back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, where God's opening words in creation is, is, let there be light. And John connects that to Jesus Christ as the coming light. And not only was light important to John, but it was important to sailors over centuries of time in the pre-GPS days 
they would oftentimes look at the stars as a way to navigate their ships or their boats, especially the northern star. And we know of numerous stories of people who were lost at sea or perhaps lost in the woods that found their way by simply looking at the stars in the sky. And the stars in the sky is what led the three wise men to come to the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's reread verse 9 again. It says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming in the world. And what he's talking about is, is that this light, again, shines in and through us. Let's make it more concrete. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2. This is where Paul um, is sort of piggybacking on this concept of light that John's talking about, and also the, the, the light that is talked about in terms of uh, light like stars. In fact, in Genesis chapter 26, 26 uh, God makes, makes this pact, this covenant with Abraham, and he says, you know, the, the people that come through you are, are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So light and stars have uh, biblical significance. And right here in, Genesis, in uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2, verses 15, it, verse 15, it says, So live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now, in a better translation, I think, is actually, it says, shine like stars. Shine like stars in the sky. So the question is for us, we have this light through Christ. How, how in the world are you and I to shine this? It's, it's abstract. How, how does this happen? Is, is it simply engaged in good, good works? Is it, is it being kind to people? Um, what does that look like for you and I to be the kind of people that are available and open to the light of Christ this Christmas season and to shine like stars? Well, in the previous verse, verse 14 of chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul outlines a few thoughts, and then he goes into 15 and 16. It's kind of like shine like stars or bright lights is sort of in the middle, and everything before and after it uh, are steps that we can take to shine like stars. That's how we can shine. Let's take a look at verse 14. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Now, that's something that we tell our kids, right? Don't complain. Don't argue. Stop it. Sometimes we're in a, in a car ride, and we have to kind of stop the car and like raise our voice to our kids. Quit arguing. But as adults, and that's what Paul's talking to, is don't complain or don't argue. A better way to talk about this actually is um, what was happening in the Philippian church is that there were people in the church that were murmuring. They were engaged in sort of secret talk, gossip against the leadership of the church. And it was hurting the church. So Paul's talking to the Philippian community. If you want to shine like stars, quit this murmuring. Quit this gossip. You know, in fact, if you have a problem with somebody, go to them and talk to them. But don't begin in the corners of the Philippian church and engage in the secret talk. And I think that speaks to us today. That if we're to shine like stars, we don't engage in things like that. And also we don't engage in, in complaining about life. We're to have a, an attitude and a worldview of gratitude when it comes to life. That produces harmony and goodwill. And also it helps us as a church, Maple Grove Covenant Church, that as we uh, do life together, that we are united. And just like uh, human beings are, we have problems. You know, we come across conflict. But actually, for us not to engage in those secret talks, the complaining, the, the, the murmuring and things like that, but actually to go to the person or, or go to the people and, and talk it through. 
That, that's what a community is. And that's what it means to shine like stars. Next, in verse 14, so that no one can criticize you. And it's a, it's a nice translation in NLT, but it actually means literally live blameless lives. Live blameless lives. And you might be thinking, how in the world do I pull that off? There is no way that I can live a blameless life. Well, another word, you may want to write this down, is actually be trustworthy. Be trustworthy. It's another way to think of that. In the Greek, be trustworthy. When you agree to something um, or say yes to something, your word matters and people can trust you. If you have information they share with you that's confidential, um, they can trust you. I had a review by the board not too long ago. I have a review every year by the board. And this one uh, pointed out some, some blind spots and some areas I need to work on. And I was really fortunate and very glad that they pointed it out. And one of them was that when it comes to meetings and appointments, I tend to be late at times or I tend to miss them. And um, as uh, pastors, uh, sometimes people say, well, it's okay. You know, you got so much to do or you are so busy. So are you. Moms, dads, you're busy too. Uh, what gives me the right as a pastor to, to have this sort of like uh, get out of jail free card to carry around to meetings if I'm late or if I miss it? It's not right. And I have a couple of board members who are actually meeting with me to hold me accountable to the meetings I have that, that show up on time and not to cancel. And I appreciate that. I have a blind spot because what they have shared with me in not so many words, but when you, when you do that, when you miss a meeting, your trustworthiness is damaged. And I can see a few of you that I have missed meetings with that you're shaking your heads yes. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, you know, I have blind spots just like you, and I, I'm so happy the board pointed that out, and, we're, and we're, I'm going to work on that. I want to get better at that. It's not, it's not right, and, and especially in this world that we kind of, it's like a yes, but. We tend to justify, yes, I missed that meeting, but how about just saying I blew it? I'm going to be accountable. I blew that. I need to get better. And that, by the way, that's what Paul is trying to do here. As we go through these verses where he has, these are actually commands. It doesn't come across that way in our English, but these are commands. These are injunctions. And it's, it's not that he's, he's trying to point his finger at them and say, you're bad people. He wants them to live better lives. To shine like stars is to live a better life. And I think that's why you're here this morning, right? Besides to see your, your kids sing, uh, is actually to live a better life. Hopefully that's why you come to church. That's ho- hopefully that's why you meet in a community group or you read your Bible and you pray and you engage in, in devotions is that you want to live a better life. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. We have flaws. I just shared one with you. We all have flaws. But, but for us to keep continuing in that direction, that we're, where God is, is forming us and shaping us, to be more and more like him. Again, it's not that we're going to be perfect, but as we shared in our adult ed class this morning, it's about progression. It's about the Holy Spirit uh, keeping us going one step at a time, going forward and not backward. Next, he says, live clean, innocent lives. This is verse 15. This is another way that we can have the light of Christ shine through us. And it actually means literally to be pure, to be flawless, and what we mean by that is wholesome and sincere. And this is more of a, of a statement around our motives. What's inside of us? The, the areas that no one can see. What kind of motives do we have? Do we have pure motives? 
Or do we do something where we want to get recognition from somebody else? Or are we the kind of people that engage in something, and it doesn't matter if anybody sees it. Um, it's not something we post on Facebook. It, it's, it, we do it in secret. That's the idea here, is to be pure, to be flawless, to actually be a person who lives in the way of Christ. Because um, we reflect his light and we shine his light through all, all we do. Now, in the English, these three passages I just shared are actually found in one word. And, and when Paul writes this, these three words actually, um, when you re- read them in the Greek, the, the ending of each word has the same sound. And I think it's sort of a, a memory trick that Paul does so that they'll remember this, that they'll remember these commands, these injunctions. It's sort of a, a backwards alliteration, but it has the same sound after each word. Next, he moves on into verse 16. He says, hold firmly to life, to the word of life, excuse me. And this refers to our active witness. Are we engaging and sharing the gospel with people as we uh, seek to shine like stars? Again, we're not perfect, but, but taking steps to share our story to share our faith with those around us. Do we actually do that? Are we praying for people who we know who are lost? Are we reaching out to people who don't go to church, um, people who are so far away from the gospel? There's a couple of people I've been reaching out. Uh, one, student, one former student of mine, she has given up on the church, attended a Christian college, gave up on the church, and even though she was a Bible theology major, uh, graduated and, and, and doesn't want anything to do with the church. And I'm like, give the church a second chance. It's not perfect. And then there's another guy, Trey. He owns a coffee house in Minneapolis, a young business owner. He's in his late 20s, and I, I go there to study and, and do some work, and we've developed this friendship. And, and, and Trey, uh, in our conversations, I've shared about my faith, and I've shared about our church, and, and I felt a prompting by God just to invite him to our Christmas Eve services. To say, hey, uh, can you come on the 24th to 2.30 or 4 o'clock? Again, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Reach out to those people as God prompts you to do that. Because the best way that people come to church is through an invitation uh, in a personal relationship. And I said to Trey, can you come? He said, no, I'm going to be going home to Little Cross, Wisconsin. I'm like, shoot. And then I felt God prompting me again. I said, hey, why don't you come on Sunday the 22nd? For a lot of people in our church that are leaving uh, for family, the 22nd is sort of like a quasi-Christmas Eve service for them. And I, like, I want you to come to that, and I think, I think it'll be a blessing to your life, and you're going to hear about what this Christianity is all about. And he said, yes, I'll be there. I'll be there. It's really cool. Next, how do we shine like stars? Verse 16, by living in view of the return of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine to live your life in a way where each day you sought to live your life as if Jesus Christ was coming back, the second advent, that Christ was going to return the next day. What would you do? What wouldn't you do? If, if Christ were to come tomorrow, for example, what relationships would you seek to try to reconcile? What, what people would you actually reach, go out to and say, I'm so sorry I blew this? If you knew Jesus was coming back at noon tomorrow, What would you do? How would that impact your life? Because when you read about Paul, you read about Peter, you read about the people in the Bible, they really believed that Christ was coming imminently. Like a thief in the night, like Peter says. They really believed that he was coming. 
And they live their lives. That's why Paul in Corinthians has this really funky message in chapter 7 about, hey, if you're single, remain single. Um, that way you can do ministry. Because they felt like Christ was, was coming the next day. And his point was, okay, marriage is great, but if you're single, just stay single because Christ is coming. Do as much as you can right now. That, that was the context of that. And for us, if we're going to shine like stars, to really have this luminous light shine through us is actually to have an orientation that Christ can come back any moment. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah, he, he can come back at any moment. And, and for you and I, it doesn't mean, again, that we're perfect, but what would we, we do in our lives if, if, if Jesus was actually to come back? And it seems like so much of this world and so much of the work of Satan wants us to believe that this world is, is kind of like our home, that this world has everything to offer for us. Cruises and vacations and possessions and things like that. You don't, you don't need any thought about Christ in heaven. You, you kind of have everything here. And yeah, there's a lot of bad things, but boy, you have the comfort of your home. You have the comfort of the job. And the devil, I think, wants to do everything possible to keep our eyes off the imminent return of Christ. And for us to realize this is not our home. As Paul says, as Peter says, that we're strangers in a sense in this world. Our home is in heaven ultimately. So for us to shine like stars is to live in view of the return of Christ. Now next, where are we to shine? Verse 15, let me read that again. So that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You can circle that word world, that word, world if I can get that out correctly. Uh, world. It means universe. It means wherever you go. It means not only where you live, it, it means not only where you work, it means not only where you go on vacation, is that wherever you go is actually to shine like stars. That, that, to, to, to allow the, the light of Christ shine through you and your goodness and your uh, other's orientation. Wherever you go. I'm reminded just of uh, so we have so many courageous college students. One of them is Sophie Johnson. Or excuse me, Josie Johnson. I always call her Sophie on, on purpose to make her mad at me and throw something at me. But uh, anyways, uh, Josie Johnson is uh, a freshman at University of Wisconsin, River Falls. And I'll tell you somebody, somebody who's trying to be a light on a secular campus. And Tom and Margie, her grandparents, and then Greg and Julie, her parents, have told me these stories about how she's seeking to be a light on that campus. And she has made so many connections and so many friends. Because here's the thing, it's easy, I think, to kind of leave your faith behind, leave it behind at home when you go to college. It happens quite a bit for college students, but Josie has sought a way to be a light on a campus at River Falls. And that is my prayer for all of our college students, but also for all of us, that wherever you work, wherever you play, wherever you go, that you would shine the light of Christ and that it'd be so evident People would say, there's something different about that person. There's something, there's something that I want. Because when you shine light, you make yourself available to the light of Christ, and it shines through you, it's utterly attractive. It's utterly infectious. People want that. They, they thirst for it. Because this world doesn't provide it. And then he says, where else are we to shine? In a crooked and depraved generation. If you look up in the nighttime sky, especially in the winter, um, you're able to see the stars so bright, especially in January and February. The North Star, 
the different constellations, and they shine so bright, but it also shows the contrast of the darkness of the night sky too. And that's what, that's what Paul's talking about here, is that you're to shine like uh, stars in the night, but at the same time, among a crooked and perverse generation, he's saying people who don't believe in God, people who don't follow God, that you're to shine among them. That's where we are to shine. And then lastly, why, why should we shine? That God the Father may be glorified. These are your teaching, teaching notes. That God the Father may be glorified. It's a word that we kind of throw around in church is for God's glory or God to be glorified. What does that really mean? Uh, well, sh- kind of a shorthand definition is to increase the reputation of God. To increase the reputation of God so that where, wherever you go, you're seeking to increase his reputation by what you say and what you do. It reminds me of a, a family that I came to know quite well. And there was something different about this family. They weren't perfect, but uh, they, they sought to live their lives in a certain way. Their, their grandparents instilled in them uh, six or seven like, intentional ethic uh, habits, ethical habits, to live in such a way. And um, it was remarkable that it was passed on from the grandparents to the kids and the grandkids, and you could see it. And I asked about it. What, what, what is it about your family that I, I just see something different? And they shared those six or seven different ethical values. And, and what happened is that I just looked at the grandparents and their reputation just increased. It's like, wow. So when you and I, in a similar way, go out and live and, and allow the light of Christ to shine through us, we're increasing his reputation among people in this world. That's exactly that's what's happening. That's what we mean by glorified. Also, less of us, more of Christ. Less of us, more of Christ. It's where you and I submit ourselves to uh, the work of Christ. And then also, ultimately, we shine like stars. Why? That those who are lost may be saved. Those who are lost may be saved. And that light that shines out, hopefully it's an inviting light. Hopefully it's like a blue light or a green light or perhaps a nice white light. Um, what we don't want to do is have this like flashing red light that shines towards people who are lost because that doesn't work. The hell and brimstone doesn't work. That scares people away and intimidates them. So hopefully the light that shines through us as we reach out to those who are lost is an inviting light. It's a compassionate light. That's what God calls us. Now we go through this whole list and you might be saying, how in the world can I do all these things? Well, you can't. Obviously, the Holy Spirit will make some progress in here. And this is not like exhaustive, like you have to do all these before Christmas Eve, okay? Uh, there may be one or two in here um, that, that God's going to use in your life, and he, He's going to mature you and He's going to continue to work in you in that way. Like for me, in trustworthiness, for example. But to realize that also we're weak, we have imperfections. And even though in those weaknesses and those imperfections, the light of Christ can shine through that as well. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we are jars of clay. And jars of clay sometimes have cracks. And in those cracks, the light of Christ sometimes even shines more brilliantly than when we actually do something in our strength area. It reminds me of a fable out of India. I love this fable. Some of you have probably heard this before. But it's a story about a woman who's a water barrier. And she has this wooden pole, and she, and she gets up in the morning, like a lot of women in India, and also that I saw in Africa, for example, to get, go to the, stream, the uh, water stream early in the morning. Usually it's a long walk, and they have uh, water pots. 
And the fable is that she's walking. There's a water pot. Here's a drawing of this uh, fable. And she's walking, and uh, along her walk, one of the pots has a leak. It has a crack. So after she goes to the stream and fills up the pots of water, the, the one pot, that's perfect. It has no flaws. All the water stays in there, but the other one has cracks. So by the time she gets home, after miles of walking, there's barely any, little, any water left. All they have really is one full pot of water for her family. And this happens over a couple of years. And then uh, finally, uh, the one pot that has the cracks actually speaks up, kind of like pots do, right? The pot spoke up. It said, I, I am, she said, the pot said, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. For two years you've been walking, and uh, you fill me up, and then all the water goes out, and yet the other pot that's perfect, that has everything going for it, is the one that has the water, but I have, I have nothing to offer. I am ashamed. I have let you down. And the water bearer, the woman who's the water bearer says, no, no, you haven't let me down. So the next morning they go to the stream again, and she fills up the water pots like she has for many years, and uh, both pots, and as they're walking, the, the pot that has the cracks says again, I am so sorry, the water is going right out of me right now. And the woman says, I've known that. I've known you've had cracks, and I took advantage of it. You see, I planted seeds alongside the side of the road, so as I walked, the water would come through your cracks and actually water these flower seeds. And she said, I want you to look at these beautiful wild flowers along the road. Notice there's none on the left, but there's a bunch of them here on the right. See, you've enabled me to grow these beautiful flowers out of your cracks. Flowers that I take home, she says to the pot, to bring beauty into our home, to our kitchen table. And without you, I couldn't have done it. In the same way, God works through your cracks. He's aware of it. He uses that to bring beauty in this world. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks for this morning that even in our cracks, your light shines and that you use us in powerful ways. Help us to be the kind of people that um, don't have shame like the one pot, um, not embarrassed, not giving up, knowing that you are faithful uh, to complete the work in us. And Lord, I pray for people that are here perhaps, and this is a new message for them, and I pray that you, they would take the next step in their faith journey. And God, it's our desire as the people of Maple Grove Covenant Church to be the kind of people that shine like stars in our, in our flaws, in these areas that Paul talks about, so that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.